Dear Gratitude and Anthology is out. With over 50 different perspectives and stories on gratitude, this book captures what most books don't. The secret sauce is in the number of voices and stories where you'll be sure to find a personal connection to so many as I did. A really excellent book, David Freeman. Found exclusively on Amazon.com. I'm Chris Palmer. Welcome to Gratitude Space and Radio. This is the first pause, breathe, and reflect uh, episode in the series. And I want to bring my good friend, mentor, and the inspirationalist, Bobby Kuntz in. Hey, Bobby. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, good Good morning. It's earlier there for you than me. I got almost, I'm almost afternoon. Yes. So East Coast, West Coast, here we go again, right? Right on, man. Well, real shortly here, I'd like you to, uh, you know, I'd like you to share a little bit about your book and then uh, this series that we're starting and then introduce our guest. All right. Awesome. Well, very simply, my book, The Someday Solution, is is just about my journey from the couch to the completion of a 192-mile bike ride to raise money for cancer research. But that's just a small portion of what the book's about. What the book is about is about each of our internal journey that we have in life. You know, we all want to do something. We all came from somewhere and we all want to make a difference here on the planet. And the book just basically lays out a structure for you to go from wherever you are to wherever you want to be by plugging yourself into a process that I simply call my pathway to progress. And it's, it's a, it's a book that's easy to read. You can read it a segment or two at a time. It's more like a resource book. It's not a true how to book because everybody has their own how to. Um, it's more about, um, who you can become as a human being and what skills are required to take you from wherever it is that you are to whatever it is that you want to do, be, or become. It's really that simple. Beautiful. So this is the first episode of the Paul's Brief Reflect series. And would you share shortly why it's called that? And then we'll bring uh, our first guest in. Sure. So um, my mentor, Michael O'Brien, runs a, a, a program or a, a, a show on on um, on an audio platform where he's connecting human beings. And it's not just a show, though. Pause, Breathe, Reflect is actually a movement where he's getting people to slow down, to take five minutes in their day, to slow down, to pause, to breathe and reflect through a simple meditation process. And then he's created a brand around it as well. So you can see the image in the corner, the pause, breathe, reflect image. And it's uh, it's become a, a global movement. There are people across the entire planet now that are wearing pause, breathe, and reflect gear and realize the value of slowing down and taking five minutes for themselves at varying points throughout their day so that they can recenter themselves. And then on the on the platform where, where Michael has a following now, Clubhouse, one of the newest audio platforms out there, people come into a room to share with each other and their experience. They experience a, a, a short five minute meditation. And then there's an opportunity to share in conversation and support each other as we're on our journeys through, through life basically. And, and while we were, I was on that, uh, while I was on that, that, um, the, an episode with, with Michael, there was, uh, a message that was shared and Janie was in the audience and as soon as Michael shared it, she's like, oh, my gosh, I have to share something, too. And the moment she spoke, I knew she had a really powerful message. And when I looked at her profile and I saw what she did, I thought, wow, that is a really, really unique thing that she does. 
And Janie's an end-of-life doula. She has a remarkable story about how she came to her work. And she's a remarkable human being who is eliminating the stigma associated with end-of-life. So, I mean, I think it'd be a great time to bring her on and for us to talk about what it is that she does and how she's helping the world and how gratitude fits into all of that, because that's really what this is all about. Michael's piece with gratitude is, is he reminds everyone, he even does meditations where you know it gets us to think about who we're grateful for and what we're grateful for. Janie has a lot to share about what she's grateful for and what this experience has given her an opportunity to learn not only about herself, but about other human beings and their families. Beautiful. Let's bring uh, Janie on. Welcome, Janie. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Chris. Hi, Bobby. What an introduction, Hello. Bobby. Well, Thank you. I, I wanted to leave the best part for you because I can't tell your story. And I just gave like a brief introduction as to what it is you really do and what you actually do. But I think it's I think it's great when we tell a story about like, well, here's where I kind of came from and here's where I ended up. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, Chris, this is your show, my friend. And, uh, you know, let, let's let's figure out what the best way is to share this story with the audience. OK, well, well, first, I, I, I wanted to say that obviously, you, you know, you just shared the story about you, how you met Janie, which is awesome. So, you, you know, obviously you there's a lot of great I like to take it like pre gratitude. So wait, this is a grateful moment. And I feel like I've been thinking about this a lot, like every moment has the potential to be a grateful moment. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is a pretty, pretty amazing thing. Um, but we're sitting here and I can obviously go, well, here we are, three people. We're together. I don't think any of us actually ever physically met each other. And here we are having a discussion. And I, I say this is this is a grateful moment for me. And um, the cool thing is, is like Bobby shared that his pre-gratitude in the situation is, you know, he met Michael O'Brien. That's a big part of Bobby's story and in his book, you know, in his life. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how Bobby comes into this room where he meets Janie, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Which is a beautiful thing. So it's like the, you know, you could specifically say, well, thank you, Michael, right? Thank you, Clubhouse. There's like so many like elements mm -hmm. that go, you know, um, so much gratitude building into that moment, right? Which is awesome. Uh, you know, and I was sharing with Janie before we started, you know, I know Bobby because of an audio platform six years ago called Anchor, you know, there's people mm -hmm. sharing audio, which I think is very cool that you're here. Janie's here because of an audio platform, which Bobby got in the same room. And that's how I met Bobby. And there's this big chain here. But I I'm curious. Um, so that's my pre gratitude. But Janie, could you speak a little bit to how you got in that room and where the gratitude, like the grateful moments that led you into the room that got you here? <laughs> got me into the room where. Bobby was or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Bobby. Yeah. Oh boy. So it really goes back to my whole story on how I got this evolution to come on to Clubhouse. Um, really the impetus for me even getting on Clubhouse was my son who's 25, who's like a social media guru and uh, he's in the music industry and he is pushing me always to do things outside of my comfort zone. And so one of the things, you know, I did a lot of public speaking and I can get into that, my background. But one of the things he said to me one day is, mom, inviting you on Clubhouse. You got to go on Clubhouse. And I was like, what is Clubhouse? And he explained that it was an audio app. And I said, OK, so I go on to Clubhouse and then I see that there's all these rooms and you can speak. And he said, you have to raise your hand. And I said, why? And he said, because you have to get familiar with how to speak. 
And so I was in a room, I follow uh, a doctor, Shoshana Ungeleiter. And when uh, I started in end of life six years ago, uh, Shoshana started Enwell, which um, is a nonprofit. And so I knew her, she knew of me, but we didn't know each other. And she was in a, a large room about end of life. And my son is saying to me, you have to speak. And I'm like, okay. So I raised my hand and I go up on stage and she, it's my turn. And she says, um, Janie, okay, you know, what, what do you have to say about this? And I'm pressing on my profile where I see the microphone and nothing's happening. And she's like, Janie, are you there? And I'm pressing, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm pressing, I'm pressing. And my son is downstairs listening. He's like, unmute yourself, mom, mom, unmute yourself. And I'm like, I'm trying to unmute myself. Long story short, I figured out it was the bottom right-hand corner. That was my introduction to Clubhouse. Somehow, I don't even know how I found uh, Michael's room and then the Miracle Morning. And um, those are my two favorite rooms. I mean, uh, I'm in Clubhouse, I'm all around, but those are my, my two favorite rooms. So that's my introduction. And then I met Bobby and he's amazing. There was, um, Michael shared something, because I think this is important about how I connected with you in the room, because you can be in a room and there could be 40, 50, 60, could be hundreds of people even. But the way that you connect with people is because you can see their profile, so you can see a little bit about them. Michael had shared some kind of a message about a quote, if I remember correctly. It was either a quote or a writing or something. Yes. And yes. It, spoke to you and it spoke yeah. to one of your favorite writings. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it was, um, it, I think it's uh, Buddhist or Tao and it's, um, you know, may you be happy, may you be healthy. And there's um, a whole uh, poem that I have that was part of my ritual that I would sometimes say aloud to people that I was working with that were dying or sometimes in my head. It's not always appropriate to bring this to somebody when there's lots of people around who may have different beliefs than you have. And so I was like, oh, I, I can't believe that. I have to tell him that I also have an expansion of his, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be um, at peace. And so that's when I raised my hand and said, no, I, I have something to share if you want. And that's, that's how you and I connected, Bobby. And he was doing a loving kindness meditation at the yes. time, right? Yes, he was. And this was an yes. extension of that yes. loving kindness meditation. Yes. And is this a meditation that you use when you're preparing a patient for a transition experience or uh, so, just is a calming exercise or? Yeah, it's more, um, it's more an offering that I have to the person who is dying. Sometimes I will put it out. Um, and just leave it in the room and see if it speaks to anyone else. And, you know, our role, and we can, we'll get into this as an end of life doula is, you know, my beliefs are my beliefs and yeah. I don't bring that into the room. This is about the person who's dying and their journey and what they believe. So that may be something that I will say silently as an offering that I will give to them. Um, and I believe that energetically that is passed on, but I've also left it in the room for 
um, people to pick up and read. And if they just put it back down, then I know it doesn't resonate with them and we leave it at that. Or if they start to talk about it, then I say, you know, you can say this if you'd like. This is something that I offer them. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Chris, I just thought of something just now as well. This is going to blow your mind. It might blow the, the minds of the, the listeners as well. I was thinking back to Anchor, and we talk about this interconnected pieces of, of, of the gratitude journey and how it all comes together. You know, Michael is the one who introduced me to Anchor as well. He simply he sent me a text oh. message. He said he sent me a text message, check out Anchor. I'm like, check out Anchor. What does this mean? I didn't even know what Anchor was, right? So isn't it crazy that all these years later, here we are together again, you know, experiencing this moment of gratitude coming together and it all is only possible. And this goes to what you were talking about, Chris, about how these moments stack up on each other. It's only possible because I originally checked out that other audio platform where we ended up connecting. Otherwise, this might not even be happening right now. You know, something like that happened to me recently. Uh, my friend Peter introduced me to Gail, who's a friend of mine. And then she introduced me to a book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. And the funny thing is, eventually, Peter and I interview Bob Berg. And I go, isn't it funny, Peter, that you introduced Gail to this book that she introduced to me, but you introduced me to Gail, who introduced the book to me. And now here we are talking to the author. <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, and think about that. We're here now talking to Janie because of all the events that led up to this moment in time. Right. And I love I loved how Janie was sharing how, you know, her son, you know, this, this is your career and your life and your son's like, you need to get he's he literally is like, you need to get on here. You know, he was the he was the hand that led you into the into the space that eventually gets you here um, to us, which I'm so grateful. So I, I've got a huge gratitude for your son because we never would have met and we're not going to have this conversation. I'm not going to have this experience and have this understanding that you're going to be sharing with us. So, um, you know, so because uh, I, I love. When you tell your story, I mean, where, where does it all begin? Where, how, what yeah. is your, what's the best, yeah. how do people ask the thing? What, like, what is your story, Janie? We open-ended, yeah. right? <laughs> so a very circuitous route on how I got to be an end-of-life doula. Um, I was the third of uh, three children. I was the youngest in our family. My father was an accountant, a CPA, and he had high hopes that one of us would travel in his footsteps and my older brother and sister did not so kind of all fell to me and uh, being the dutiful daughter that i was i graduated college with my accounting degree and off i went to one of those big accounting firms um, working in audit very quickly i understood that i hated this <laughs> this was not something that was interesting to me at all um, and along, along that time, um, I had a best friend who was killed in New York City. She was hit by a garbage truck. And that sent me on a journey about death and dying and what, you know, what, is, what does it mean and what's it all about and is there anything else after you die? And so I couldn't read enough about the dying process. So that, that became an interest for me. But uh, moving on in my career, I stayed with accounting. I went into the tax department. I uh, started to work at a boutique law firm that 
looking back, funny enough, did estate planning, working with people's assets when they die. And I had this financial career for 20 years. I was married, I had little kids. And then I woke up, I live in New Jersey, and I woke up one morning, I went to the gym and it was September 11th, 2001. I'll never forget running on the treadmill, 8.45 in the morning, and I'm watching the TV, and I see a plane coming across the sky going into one of the Twin Towers. And, you know, all of us were glued to the TV at the gym, and, you know, my first thought was, oh, the pilot must have had a heart attack, something happened. Ten minutes later, we see the other plane, and then there's all silence, and we all pack up our bags. We leave the gym. Uh, you know, I live in Bergen County, a half hour outside of New York City. I knew a lot of people who were working down at the World Trade Center at that time. So my community was greatly affected by 9-11, as were we all. But for me, that was a wake-up call. That was a call to say, you know, what are you doing in your life? Um, life can change in an instant. And you are not happy with your job. So um, I happened to be reading a book about hospice at that exact time. And it really spoke to me. So I, I decided in that moment, I told my husband, um, I think I'm going to stop doing this work. I can always go back to it. But I want to go volunteer at a hospice. And that's what I did. I, I went and I became a friendly volunteer. And I felt like I was serving. I was doing something to give back to my community. And I really enjoyed it. But I didn't necessarily encounter people who were dying because we never know when somebody is going to take their last breath. So I did that for several years. And then I started to hear at this particular hospice about a program that was brand new that this man, uh, his name was Henry, was teaching about end of life, end of life doulas, um, much like a birth doula journeying with somebody at their end of life. And because hospice is so limited in their time and how much time and their plate is so full, this would fill the gaps in the hospice care to have people who had lots of time to spend with the family and somebody who was dying. So I started to learn about what an end of life doula was. And had you Googled it, even at that point, there there was nothing, you know, no one knew what that was. No one heard of that. There were a few people doing it, but it was rare. So I started to do that work and I said, wow, this, this is it, this is it. And I did that for several years. And then at this hospice, people, uh, families kept saying to us, this is so amazing. Uh, why doesn't this exist anywhere else? Why, why don't, aren't you guys in California or Florida? So uh, in 2016, uh, the person uh, who I learned from, Henry Fersco Weiss, he um, and another person at that time decided to start a nonprofit to teach people how to be end-of-life doulas. And very quickly, I came on board um, and the other person ended up leaving. And so he and I were really the founders of a nonprofit called International End of Life Doula Association, or ANELDA for short. That's what people know it as. 
And a year later, we brought another partner on and the three of us really built a foundation to go across the country and really the world. We, we taught in Singapore too, um, to teach people how to be end of life doulas and to go to hospitals and hospices to train them to have an end of life doula program. So we were training hundreds of people a year, now thousands of people, and it started to catch on. You know, our goal was to change the face of dying. And pretty early on, uh, the press started calling us. Uh, we did a lot of interviews, a lot of podcasts, hospitals were inquiring. And so it, it really took off and became a really large um, organization and movement and other people were also starting to train uh, people as end of life doulas. So that was really, really rewarding. Um, I'll, I'll kind of fast forward to where I am today. So about five years in, I felt that pull again for me, like I'm getting a little bit burnt out now. We are growing this into a huge company and I'm not feeling as fulfilled. You know, I was traveling around the country speaking and training, and I felt the pull to go back to being a doula, to go back to being with patients and serving them. So I retired from Inelda a year ago, and I didn't know this at the time, but I, a couple of months later, as life has it, I had a new career. I started my company Farewell Doula with my part, one of my partners from Inelda. She left also. Jerry and I started Farewell Doula to work with clients and patients who are terminally ill and dying and to help them and their families through the process to advocate for them, to create legacy, to create ritual. And then again, life kicks me in the butt. And a couple months later, I get a phone call from a doctor in New Jersey, a physician who says, um, I know you were president of Anelda, and I know you know you have a background as an end of life doula. And would you consider working with what is now law in New Jersey, something called medical aid in dying and helping people who are terminal that will take medication to end their lives. And then that that just, you know, that was a whole nother direction that my life pivoted again. And fast forward to now, that's been a huge focus. I've been asked to be on a board of clinicians in California. New Jersey is now starting um, a nonprofit uh, of physicians and nurses, and they asked me to be on the board there. So I just, I would have never guessed any of this. Wow. Yeah. So, so Janie, there's so much stigma just around death alone. Forget yes. about whether it's, you know, a dignified death and undignified, just death. Yes. We don't talk about death as a society. No. For some reason, it's taboo. Not Could you Talk about yeah. what your experience has been about why it's so taboo and how do we build a bridge yeah. to make 
sure that it's not such a taboo subject anymore. We talk about life. We celebrate life on a regular basis. Yes, exactly. We celebrate birth. Why aren't we celebrating the life of a human being and everything they've given and all of the accomplishments and yeah. accomplishments and all of the contributions that they've made to life. What, what is the, what is the hang up? Do you think with the end of life piece yeah. that's got people so stuck? So think about part of my training. I had a list when I, when I would train doulas, I had a list of about, and I was accumulating more 30 euphemisms for death. They passed, they transitioned, they were called home. They expired. I mean, no one can say they died. They died. They, died. Yeah. they went to heaven. They're with their maker. They're with God. I mean, they're in a better th- place. They're in a better place. They kicked the bucket. I mean, from funny to, you know, spiritual to religious. So yes, we are a society that has such a hard time talking about death. 